Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Preacher Boys podcast. My name is Eric Skwarzynski. I'm your host, and on today's quick episode, as pretty impromptu, but a news report just dropped from the NWI Times uh, that cites a new lawsuit against David Hiles. I've covered David Hiles before on the show. You can go to PreacherBoysDoc.com. That's PreacherBoysDoc.com. Click the tab that says Writer v. Hiles. You can read about the last lawsuit that was published. But this one is published by uh, Nanette Miles. Uh, she claims that David Hiles raped her um, and is alleging that uh, this went on for several years. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the report that was published by the NWI Times by reporter Bob Casarda. And uh, I'll give a couple comments as we go, but I really just want to keep you guys informed on what's happening. It says a former Hammond resident claims in a federal lawsuit she was repeatedly raped as a young student more than four decades ago by the son of then pastor and president of the First Baptist Church of Hammond and Hiles Anderson College. Uh, now, very first right off the bat, uh, this will be the biggest part of commentary that I add to this, but there were already some people that were saying, uh, you know, why wait so long? Why wait, you know, 40 years to come forward? Why wait to uh, report? Uh, and people are discrediting this story immediately based on that information. So I want to go on a bit of a explanation here as to why this can happen. Again, nothing's been proven yet in the court of law. But uh, this story does seem to line up with other stories that have been told by other survivors, including uh, Miss Ryder. Uh, so I want to just break this down. Um, the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, uh, you can find them at nsvrc.org slash statistics. Uh, rape is the most underreported crime. 63% of sexual assaults are not reported to police. Um, and if you look at other studies, it's very common for there to be a long period and, uh, the period of reporting, 
uh, seems to increase uh, if they know the person who committed the rape um, or the sexual assault. If they, you know, there's a bunch of different factors there. Uh, but uh, here I'll say right here, the, the prevalence of false reporting is low. So the, the prevalence of actual lies being told about rape is very low, uh, between 2 and 10%. A study of eight U.S. communities, which included 2,059 cases of sexual assault, found a 7.1% rate of false reports. A study of 136 sexual assault cases in Boston found a 5.9% rate of false reports. Researchers studied 812 reports of sexual assault from 2000 to 2003 and found a 2.1% rate of false reports. The other factor that plays in is that the system itself is not incredibly uh, effective. Uh, according to a 2018 investigative report, it analyzed 1,300 sexual assault cases in Minnesota. 338 of these cases were sent to prosecutors by law enforcement. Charges were filed in 156 cases, and only 91 of the original 1,300 resulted in a conviction. Uh, next here, kind of confirming that point, the Star Tribune has reviewed more than 1,400 reports of sexual assault made to 20 Minnesota law enforcement agencies in 2015 and 2016. Less than 30% of the cases they reviewed were sent to prosecutors, and only 8% of reported cases resulted in conviction. Another interesting stat here is that among assaults that were reported more than two days after the incident, only 5% resulted in conviction. A lot of that's due to, obviously, DNA testing. Rape cases without evidence from a sexual assault forensic exam uh, resulted in conviction just 3% of the time. Also, the New York Times reported that Scott Berkowitz, the president of RAIN, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, said confusion and self-blame are a common reason people don't report instantly. Uh, he says a lot of people who call the national hotline for RAIN, one of the first questions they asked was, was I raped? Uh, I'll include a couple other sources. I'll include those in the description of this video. But I just want to say, don't be quick to write off someone's story immediately just due to the time gap or whether or not they reported to law enforcement and all of those different factors. But anyway, back to the article. Uh, Nanette Miles, who agreed to be named publicly for the article, said then-youth director David Hiles, who was son of then-pastor Jack Hiles, called her into his office in September 1976 when she was 13. She alleges in the lawsuit she was given a drink and then blacked out. She claims she woke up on the office floor while being raped by David Hiles. Um, this story parallels what was said in Joy Ryder's lawsuit, who is also suing David Hiles for a similar story. Uh, Joy Ryder's lawsuit states, uh, David Hiles would also secretly put drugs and or alcohol into food or drink being consumed by plaintiff in order to be able to more easily force plaintiff to comply with his sexual abuse. On one occasion, after a church event one Saturday, David Hiles brought plaintiff to his office in the church building gave plaintiff something to drink, which plaintiff later discovered had concealed some type of drug and or alcohol. After plaintiff drank this drink, David Hiles raped plaintiff in his office. Uh, back into the news report here. It says, following the alleged attack, she was instructed to leave through the back door so she would not be seen by a secretary, the lawsuit claims. David Hiles said he would want to see her again, according to the lawsuit. She was raped again by David Hiles in his office a week later, and he continued to rape her weekly unless, quote, he was out of town or on church business, end quote, the lawsuit alleges. The sexual abuse allegedly continued for five years on church and college property. Defendants stole something innocent, sensitive, and sacred from every minor they abused, according to the lawsuit filed in the Northern District of Illinois by the Dallas, Texas law firm of Forrester Haney. No one was immediately available at the church Thursday afternoon for comment. 
Miles attorney Ashley Paleka said in a prepared release, Nanette is seeking justice against David Hiles for his reprehensible behavior for herself and many others. She's friends with at least two other women who were raped by David Hiles and struggle with severe health complications today. Nanette is courageously stepping forward to be their voice as well. The lawsuit is just the latest of a history of civil and criminal accusations of sexual abuse of underage girls by officials at the church, which was founded in 1887. Joy Ryder, who now runs a support group for sex abuse victims, filed her own federal lawsuit earlier this year, claiming David Hiles repeatedly raped her as a teenage girl in the late 1970s. A Lake County jury convicted A.V. Ballinger, a deacon at the church almost three decades ago, of fondling a seven-year-old girl in the summer of 1991 in her Sunday school class. Thank God this is a church that steps up with pride and says, and it is an honor to be identified with Brother Ballinger. I want you to know that this is a man who's worthy of that. And this is a Bible that commands us to do that. Jack Scopp, a son-in-law of the late Jack Hiles, was pastor of the church and a married man with two children when he pleaded guilty in 2012 to transporting a teen female student of the church's high school to Illinois and Michigan for sexual encounters. Scopp also had sex with an underage victim in his church office earlier that year, according to court filings. He was the lead pastor of the Hammond Baptist Church until his firing last July. Prosecutors say that he took advantage of a troubled 16-year-old girl who was a parishioner at the fundamentalist megachurch in northwest Indiana and had come to him for counseling. In the latest class action suit, David Howes is accused of beginning to pursue Miles when she was a 12-year-old student at the school after her mother was diagnosed with cancer. David Hiles began calling plaintiff into his private office at the youth center for, quote, counseling, the suit states. He would make inappropriate comments about her body, stating he wanted to see her in a swimsuit, the suit alleges. David Hiles is also accused of touching Miles inappropriately and often trying to isolate her by calling her into his office. Miles' mother also found a letter from David Hiles written to her 13-year-old daughter containing sexually explicit and vulgar language about what he wanted to do to the plaintiff, the suit states. When the letter was presented to Jack Hiles, senior pastor at the time, he tore up the letter, threw it away, and told plaintiff's mother that David Hiles did not write it. Despite the allegations, David Hiles was promoted to greater positions of influence. David Hiles took at least a dozen pornographic photos of Miles nude and wearing lingerie he bought for the suit claims. When Miles was 14, David Hiles took her to a summer camp in Tennessee where he raped her in a chapel room behind the altar. He's also accused of taking her at the age of 15 to a motel in Illinois and leaving her alone, at which time she attempted to call home but was unable to because of the long-distance charge, the suit states. David Howes then returned to the room with a briefcase full of pornographic images of Miles and other young girls from the church and again drugged and raped her, the suit claims. Again, just stepping into this with some more context, uh, the reason that David Howes ended up being moved to another church in the first place uh, was because uh, he had a briefcase that was found of pornographic pictures of him 
and his wife, uh, who were actually swingers. The great fundamentalist who's often invited to preach in Michigan churches has all but ignored the stain on his ministry and people's lives left by the philandering of his son, David Hiles. The younger Hiles had been the pastor of the Miller Road Baptist Church in Garland, Texas, until a janitor found photos of David Hiles having sex with a deacon's daughter. David's ex-wife Paula later confided in another pastor about her then-husband's illicit affairs with women in the Texas congregation. She didn't know he was taping the call. All these women in our church thought they were the one and only. And when they came out that there were 14 or 15 of them, we got had a Jack Hiles ignored his son's adultery until a Christian on the lookout for sin found photos of David's second wife in some porn and swinger magazines. Brenda Hiles' holy temple was on display in a variety of explicit poses in magazines like Adam and Chicago Swingers. The photos were accompanied by ads seeking men, ladies, or couples for group sex. Dave Froelich went to Hiles Anderson College with Brenda. At the moment you see her face, you'll know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. That is, in fact, Brenda. You've seen the photograph. This Michigan businessman, we'll call him Fred, knows Dave and Brenda Hiles well. That's Brenda Hiles. Yep. I feel, I feel badly for her. I think she's been used in the worst, worst kind of way. Jack Hiles was forced to face the bare facts from the pulpit when Sherrillville, Indiana, attorney Voyle Glover, a former Hiles follower, put the photos on a flyer and led a Hiles loyalist to believe they'd be distributed at Hiles' 1991 pastor school. I was totally shocked. I could not believe the sin the board committed. They're going to walk up and try to hand you something. I'd prefer you wouldn't look at it. It is absolutely the most revolting, disgusting thing you've ever seen in your life, but it's true. My wife would leave on weekends. This man says his former wife was used by David and Brenda Hiles in their group sex capades. It destroyed his marriage and his ex-wife's life. My wife became intimately involved with both David and Brenda and numerous other men in the church that Dr. Hiles had endorsed as being uh, spiritually astute people. A number of people, because I know them personally, went to Dr. Hiles about the actions of his son and uh, for whatever reason, he failed to act. He failed to restrain his son. And so him with a briefcase full of pornographic images isn't surprising. Um, and that is something that is proven that that did happen. Whether that happened in the case of Miles and underage girls from the church, uh, that's unknown, but that's what the suit reports. When Miles attempted to end the sexual abuse at the age of 17, as she prepared to get married, David House allegedly told her she needed to come back and have a baby by him, the lawsuit states. Miles was married by 18 and then divorced eight years later due to mental disabilities. She began seeing a psychologist at the age of 22 who linked her psychosomatic symptoms to the abuse at the hands of David Hiles. She claims the abuse led to a life-threatening hospitalization, the inability to maintain employment, a lost home, divorce, lack of children, ongoing counseling, and mental health issues, a loss of contact with her immediate family, and a loss of faith. She was hospitalized for 10 days in 2018 for a suicide attempt. Another shocking statistic here I'll inject is that 80% of young women were found to have a mental health disorder and 55% had two or more mental health disorders four to five months after sexual assault, according to a study led by UCL and the Havens, London Specialist uh, Sexual Assault Referral Centers hosted by King's College Hospital uh, NHS Foundation Trust. Back into the article, the suit alleges that other young girls have accused David Hiles of abuse to no avail. The lawsuit targets David Hiles, the college, and the church. First Baptist Church and the college treated rape, sexual abuse, and sexual assault as an internal matter and dealt with these allegations 
internally rather than bringing in outside investigators or bringing the information to law enforcement. In fact, great lengths were taken to prevent law enforcement from learning of the rape, sexual abuse, and sexual assault, the suit says. No criminal charges have been filed in the case involving Miles. Criminal charges can still be pursued, Palaika, Miles' attorney, told the Times in a text Thursday. And we certainly are willing to assist in any criminal investigation to bring them in the future. The suit accuses the church and school of routinely moving employees, including David Hiles, to other roles in which they continue to have access to children. Sexual abuse has been tolerated and ignored by the church and college and its leadership for decades, the suit says. The suit claims the statute of limitations has not expired in this case. The lawsuit was filed as class action on behalf of the dozens, if not hundreds, of others alleging sexual abuse from David Hiles or others at the church and college. By filing this case as class action, Nanette and her attorneys hope to give survivors of sexual abuse a voice and legal mechanism to hold leaders at First Baptist and other independent fundamental Baptist churches accountable for perpetrating and covering up horrific acts of child sex abuse for decades, according to a press release from her attorneys. A multi-count suit seeks an undeclared amount of money. This is, again, just another, I mean, it's not even shocking at this point to see these kind of stories and allegations coming out of First Baptist of Hammond, uh, especially as they relate to David Hiles. Um, we'll see what happens with the case. Again, I do hope that the goal of giving a voice to more victims is the case. I do hope that more people continue to come forward who have experienced abuse. Uh, and I will keep you guys posted as we find out more about the situation. Uh, this article was released today. I'm recording on Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. And I'll be sure to keep you posted as we move forward and find out more information. But the heat is definitely on at First Baptist Church of Hammond and Hiles Anderson College. And especially on David Hiles right now as more and more are coming forward uh, making allegations against him. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. Remember, if you want to support stories and shows like this, you can head over to patreon.com slash preacher boys and become a supporter for any month. You'll get early access to certain episodes as well as some behind the scenes content and extra information just for you. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching and I'll see you on the next episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.